Welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. This nationally recognized, award-winning podcast is hosted by the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program. Our educators share research knowledge with individuals, families, and communities to improve quality of life. Hello, and welcome to Talking Facts, what you need to know about family, food, finance, and fitness. I am your host, Mindy McCulley, Extension Specialist for Instructional Support with Family and Consumer Sciences Extension at the University of Kentucky. We are housed in the Martin Gatton College of Agriculture, Food, and Environment. January is Radon Awareness Month. And to that end, I have a special guest with me today. Lindy Campbell is the founder of Breath of Hope Kentucky. She is a lifelong Kentuckian and a lung cancer survivor. And she's joining me today to share her story because many people do not realize that there are lots of different causes of lung cancer, but radon is certainly one of those. Welcome, Lindy. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Do you want to just start by sharing how you discovered that you had lung cancer? Well, I was diagnosed, it will be six years in December, December 6th of 2017. And quite honestly, when I went under surgery and woke up, that's when I found out I had lung cancer. But the journey happened over a period of two and a half years prior to that, which is really part of why I advocate about other causes of lung cancer and and helping, you know, the medical profession in different realms be aware of that because you don't go to a cancer center until you already have cancer. Mine actually was just seen randomly on a chest x-ray for just another minor exam I was having that had nothing to do with lung cancer. And that primary care physician was just not alarmed necessarily, but when there was a shadow on the x-ray, she uh, proceeded to uh, send me on for a chest CT scan. So that act right there really intervened into a two and a half year process that, that really saved my life, to be honest that my primary care physician, you know, really credit her. But then, you know, you get into the system with, you have to depend on the other medical professionals. So the radiologist uh, did a CT scan and it showed a small spot, but, you know, they watch it and didn't really see me as someone who could get lung cancer. I did even mention that I'd grown up around secondhand smoke and that my bedroom, my childhood bedroom was in a basement, but still not really any red flags. Um, Unfortunately, in Kentucky, we have very high rates of smoking, but the problem is we can't let that overshadow other medical things that can come about that, especially lung cancer, that could potentially not have anything to do with smoking. So that messaging has to change as well. So we can be much more aware of other causes, but, you know, thankfully I had different teams of doctors and, you know, I'll just fast forward over that two years and four months from trying, seeing if it was a fungus or anything the doctor just knew it was time to go in and get it. And that's when I woke up and they said, well, it was cancer. We took two lobes of your right lung out and we think we got it all. And that's where this journey began. Well, and you spent those two and a half years um, trying to figure it out because people didn't think that you were a candidate for lung cancer. Is that right? Exactly. Um, You know, I grew up in a smoking home and I grew up in the 60s, 70s, you know, part of the 80s in that home. And a lot of us grew up in that generation where people weren't talking about dangers. And so people didn't know, my parents didn't know that they were um, harming me, much less themselves. And then, of course, radon was not on the 
on the radar whatsoever. We had no idea what it was. They built a home for our family to move in. I was one year old and they certainly would have done something about it had they known. So I kind of got a double whammy, you know, after I was diagnosed and we started kind of searching, not only had I grown up around secondhand smoke, which most people kind of think of that as a secondary cause of lung cancer, because you can get, you know, and you can kind of, you know, if you're, if you're around a lot of it and you're smelling it and tasting it, you feel the danger a little bit and radon, you can't, can't see it, smell it, taste it. So, but in fact, radon is the leading cause of lung cancer in never smokers. It ranks as number two, the number two cause. And that's really where I, when I started doing my research after I was diagnosed and realizing, had I not had some other people in my life encouraging me to continue to get these scans and pursue this, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. And so it just led me down this path of really advocating for these other causes and really talking about lung cancer as a whole and all the demographics and all the people that are at risk. And quite honestly, we're all at risk when it comes to radon. Well, and that is such an important point because Kentucky has high, such high rates of radon in our soil, and you know, in and so our homes, of course, are sources and places where we work and places where we go to school that we might not even think about. So, do you want to share a little bit about what you found out when you did um, the research on your family home? Sure. So, the the my mom thankfully still lived there, and that's the problem with a lot of people that are diagnosed. If it's something like radon or any other t- type of invisible toxin you breathe, they don't they don't know. So they think they've not been exposed to anything. But fortunately, I was able to go back to that home, you know, not just label it secondhand smoke, but also take a look at radon. And my childhood bedroom tested at 21.6 picocuries. And that is a toxicity level. I compare it to smoking because that's the only thing people think of when they think of lung cancer. <laughs> you compare those toxicity levels it's equivalent to smoking 40 cigarettes a day. So I was breathing from the time that became my childhood bedroom. Like I was 13 years old, but prior to that, we played in our basement all the time. But Mm -hmm. so by day I was breathing secondhand smoke by night, I was breathing this radon gas in my childhood bedroom. So my toxicity level was just off the charts. And then what happens is the, the, the cells get damaged, but it really becomes about your DNA. It is a reactive thing over time. And you just enter a lottery. You don't want to enter just like cancer, skin cancer, and so forth. You have damaged those cells. And over time, they can develop a genetic mutation that just develops in those cells and turns it into cancer. And that's what I have. Tell us a little bit more about Breath of Hope Kentucky. Why did you found that organization? Well, at first, it was just me telling my story. You kind of do that therapeutically because you're like, I just want to help other people. Right. And when I just felt like people weren't listening or getting it quite, now they would one-on-one. Like when I'm talking to you or somebody sure. else, light bulb goes off. They're like, oh my gosh, that just was not a big enough platform. And I really couldn't find a niche, quite honestly, because I didn't know people living with the disease. And there's really no way to connect through the medical community because of HIPAA. So I thought I've got to keep telling my story and then really just advocating my own way because I, I, I couldn't really do it fully from a survivor's perspective. There's a lot of great advocacy avenues, but 
you know, really just wasn't isolating and talking about how it impacts the survivor and what these people look like. You know, mm-hmm. they really are. Any, anybody can get this disease. So we weren't showing that enough. So it resonated with people. And so I just needed to build my own platform. So my husband and I started Breath of Hope Kentucky in January of 2019. We did uh, a big event then, and then COVID hit. We've done two 5K. So we just built community around the messaging so that people would collaborate. I said in the beginning, lung cancer is like a wildfire. It's too big for anyone to fight it alone, but we can't all fight it from the same direction. So I was just bringing in the element, element of the survivor perspective, which was the stigma affects us all. It affects unfairly people who have a smoking history, you know, and it characterizes them in an unfair way that no other cancers and diseases do. But what happens to everybody else is you become invisible because the stigma takes over and nobody's paying attention to anything else when it comes to lung cancer. So we just, and I'm still working through getting people to talk about it differently. Um, It's not us against them. I'm like, we're all equally valuable in this disease. I'm just trying to join the cause and the fight and say, listen, this is my disease too. And we've got to talk about more causes and more demographics that are being affected who quite frankly don't qualify for screening. So that's all we can rely on right now is awareness or policy that changes to protect our citizens. Right. And as you mentioned screening, it's not one of the typical, typical screenings that, you know, you get 40 or 45 or 50. Is that right? No, you don't. And so there is there is a demographic that that has for a period of time been considered high risk. But, you know, you've you've had this ever evolving demographic, you know, that's really kind of gone under the radar because it might be somebody here or there, you know, in different hospital settings, but they're not seeing the magnitude of it. And they are seeing that now, of course, because we represent as many as well, even just never smokers, as many as 20 percent. Are getting diagnosed. So when you talk about 240,000 get diagnosed in the U.S. every, you know, this year alone, right. that's a number. It you is, know, yeah. Also have people. My whole family quit smoking. Lung cancer went off their radar. There is this perception that you're either a current smoker or you have a real heavy history. When you've got a huge demographic also getting lung cancer. Um, because the damage had happened long ago. And again, you just enter this DNA lottery of what your body's going to do with that damage mm-hmm. and if into cancer. So you even have another huge demographic that doesn't qualify for screening. So what does that look like for us? It's either policies that protect public places, child care centers where your kids go. These places, we don't have a way of knowing if we're exposed to radon because there's no laws. My parents built a home. They had no idea. So there's not laws. Now, even in a home sale, yes, you check it off if you've had it tested, but it's still within the the leeway of that transaction between the home seller and the home buyer and that those real estate agents. So those are the things that I'm pushing for. Telling my story is one thing. I've told it, you know, over and over again. But each time I talk to somebody, just like I told you when we started this interview, to me, it's about the impact this conversation makes to move us forward because progress is the only thing that's going to save people like me. And I've lost too many friends since I've advocated. Uh, It's a bittersweet place to be in because I've lost friends over and over and over again to this disease who had no idea they could get it. 
Well, and that is part of why we are here, because we want to help people recognize that you have a voice and it doesn't matter how connected or or disconnected you feel. If you use your voice with others, then we can hopefully get some impact across the state and across the nation, because it doesn't just happen in Kentucky. No. And it, you know, what I like to say to Kentucky, you know, to these people in Kentucky that are in the lanes of health, of working with lung cancer, you go to a state like Utah, who has very low smoking rates, but they still have high lung cancer rates. You better believe they're looking at what is happening and what their citizens are being exposed to is causing them to get lung cancer. We have to understand we have that same demographic intermixed and or the people considered high risk qualifying. So we're either going to talk about smoking and never smokers and former smokers, because a lot of people like to say, well, it shouldn't matter if you smoke. Well, it shouldn't. But we can't only talk about we're either going to how are we going to talk about it? We either, you know, mention that smokers get lung cancer. And if you quit years ago, you can get it. And if you've never smoked. Let's talk about it that way. Mm-hmm. Or let's really build a foundation of education and simply all inclusively not only say anyone can get lung cancer, but help our citizens believe it. And really, until some laws are implemented and move forward, why should we pay attention when the the EPA may be telling us this stuff, the World Health Organization? But when you have a whole you know system that's we're doing a great job in secondhand smoke. Right. But that. That's secondary to radon. That's not even as as heavy of a cause as radon. So that's really where I'm beginning to push the boundaries and say, it's time. COVID, um, d- disasters, other things that happen, preparing for making our schools safer for the what ifs. Let's do the what ifs too. Let's protect the what is. We're a triple crown state for lung cancer because we have high rates of smoking secondhand smoke, and rayon. So let's tackle all three effectively. I think those are great ideas and a great way to wrap this up because we have so many people who are at risk. And so we just need to make sure that we find ways to make sure that everyone gets the screenings that they need. And this right here, Mindy, should be the beginning of our conversations, not the end. And, you know, people who are on the listening in, there are people who have the ability to move this conversation forward. Is it inconvenient? You know, does it, uh, is it a thorn in people's side? I don't know. What is stopping this from moving forward in our state? And I'm, you know, really ready to challenge that. I hope we have just told a story and had a conversation, but we've actually sparked another level of interest in it. Definitely. And if you are listening and have heard Lindy's story, take it to heart, uh, take it to lungs and get your windpipes working and, and share the message with everybody that you know, and especially those people who have the power to affect change in Kentucky. Much more than just testing your home for radon. We're only hitting the people that, you know, believe it enough to do it. Exactly. We've got a lot of work to do. So thank you for this. And I hope it generates a lot more conversation. Thank you so much. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to Talking Facts and you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening to Talking Facts. We deliver programs focusing on nutrition, health, resource management, family development, and civic engagement. If you enjoyed today's podcast, have a question or a show topic idea, leave a like and a comment on Facebook. 
at UKFCSEXT or send us an email at UKFCSEXT at UKY.edu. Visit us online at fcs.uky.edu to learn more about the University of Kentucky Family and Consumer Sciences Extension Program or contact your local extension agent for Family and Consumer Sciences. We build strong families. We build Kentucky. It starts with us.